0: God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people. And he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. Today we will hear some wonderful music, read some of the Bible together, and we will answer the question, Where is Jesus Christ today? Also there is a short sharing at the end of the program covering 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 explaining the importance of the age of grace which we live in and the sudden destruction to come upon unbelievers at the return of Jesus Christ. Let's start off with the proof of your love by for king and country. If I sing
1: but don't have love I waste my breath with every song I bring An empty voice, a hollow noise If I speak with a silver tongue Convince a crowd but don't have love I leave a bitter taste with every word I say So let my life be proof of your Poverty is found
2: and angelic ecstasy but don't love i'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate if i speak god's word with power revealing all
1: of his mysteries and making everything as plain as day and if i have faith to say to a mountain
2: jump and it jumps but i don't love i'm nothing if i give all i own to the poor or even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr but i don't love i've gone nowhere so No matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love.
0: The past couple of weeks on the Solution Radio Show we looked at the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today I'd like to ask the question, where is Jesus Christ today? We know that almost 2000 years ago Jesus Christ was crucified and in his obedience all the way to death he redeemed mankind from eternal separation from God. Then three days later he was raised from the dead by God his Father. Jesus Christ is the only man ever in the history of all mankind that has been raised from the dead and is still alive today. Other men and women have been raised from the dead, such as Lazarus, Jesus raised him from the dead, Dorcas, uh, in the book of Acts, Peter raised Dorcas from the dead, and there are even reports today of people Being raised from the dead. But their raising from the dead is not eternal for all time, as the resurrection of Jesus Christ was. Let's begin in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 1, to see where Christ Jesus is today. Verse 1, the former treaty, and uh, Luke here is the writer of the book of Acts, and The former treaty that he's referring to is the Gospel of Luke. So the former treaty have I made O Theophilus. And O Theophilus, Theophilus just means beloved of God. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up. The day in which he was taken up is the ascension. The Gospel of Luke records up until that day, And we'll read that record a little bit later. So continuing here in verse 2, After that he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he, Jesus, had chosen. Verse 3, To whom the twelve apostles, also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible or indisputable proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. We can read also here in the Gospel of John, I just want to flip over there and look at two verses, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Jesus in his resurrected body did many signs in the sight of his disciples. He also spoke to them of things concerning the kingdom of God. Continuing back here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. Verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence." Christ Jesus commanded the Apostles that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but that they should wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was the comforter that Jesus Christ spoke of in John chapter 14. The promise of the Father is the gift of Holy Spirit that the Apostles received on the day of Pentecost. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Sonship Spirit. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus called the promise of the Father to be endued with power from on high. Jesus stated that John baptized with water, but in a few days they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is available today for all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that God raised him from the dead and confessed Jesus as Lord. The baptism in the Holy Spirit was not just for the apostles on the day of Pentecost. It is for all men, women, and children since the day of Pentecost until the fullness of times when Christ Jesus returns to gather his church unto himself. Let's continue back here in verse 6. When they therefore were come together... And those words might be better translated, as they accompanied him. They were walking with Jesus to the location where he would ascend into heaven, which was Bethany. They asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Here the apostles, they wanted to know when the kingdom would be set up on earth. No one knows the day or the hour. Only the Father knows. Jesus Christ puts them back on topic here in verse 8 where he's talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 8, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He's saying here, you shall absolutely receive power. This power is an internal potential power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word receive here means to evidence or to show forth into manifestation. When we look at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the power they received internally was manifested in their speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is one of the nine evidences, or manifestations, of the gift of Holy Spirit. Christ Jesus says that they are to be witnesses where they are and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Where you and I live is included in the uttermost part of the earth. The greatness of the witness is not just the speaking of God's word and talking of the salvation through Christ. Included in the witness is also the operation of the power which was received when the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost to the apostles and is given today to each believer when they become born again of God's Spirit. The operation of the Spirit includes the manifestation of speaking in tongues. Let's continue here in verse 9 of Acts chapter 1. And when Jesus had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven." What a sight that must have been! Jesus Christ was lifted up off the earth into a cloud and out of their sight. The apostles, they were fixed upward in their gaze as they watched him go. They could not stop staring at the sky in amazement of what they had just witnessed. Then two angels stood by them and spoke the promise, Which we so eagerly anticipate today, this same Jesus, which is lifted into heaven, shall return. Continuing back in Acts verse twelve, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. They were obedient to the instructions given by Jesus Christ; they returned to Jerusalem. When Jesus Christ was lifted up to heaven, he went to sit at the right hand of the Father. His work up till that time had been completed. He had accomplished all that the Father required for man's redemption. Now, his last words here to the men he called his friends, to his apostles, to those that would now lead the church, these last words, they are vitally important. He instructed them to wait for the promise of the Father, the gift of Holy Spirit, the new birth. In Colossians, it's called Christ Within. By the witness of the Holy Spirit, these men would spearhead the movement of God's love, grace, mercy, and truth, not only in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, but unto the uttermost parts of the earth. A genuine and and powerful move of God's word His heart, a revival in the hearts and lives of God's people, will always result in the evidence, the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now there are a couple other records I'd like to look at in the Gospels which elaborate on the ascension of Jesus Christ. Let's begin in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, and we'll start at verse 44. And Jesus said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, It is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things it is in the name of Jesus Christ that repentance and remission of sins are to be preached his name is above all names his name is to be preached to be heralded forth among all nations today in the preaching of the name of Jesus Christ, where does political correctness fit in? It doesn't. You're never wrong to preach God's word, unless God would instruct you to be quiet. And he could do that. In Acts, there's a couple of instances where God forbade the Apostle Paul from going in an area to preach. But the norm is to preach the name of Jesus Christ. There is only salvation in His name and in no other. We preach it in love. If someone is offended in the name of Jesus Christ, well, they they need to take that up with God. We are instructed multiple locations in God's Word to be a witness and to herald forth the greatness of who Jesus Christ is and what He has accomplished. Political correctness has no place in the life of one who lives for God. Biblical correctness, on the other hand, says to go forth and to be a witness for God and for his Son, and to love with God's love, and to speak God's word. Let's continue here back at verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. The apostles here are instructed by Jesus to wait in Jerusalem for the promise, the comforter, the gift of Holy Spirit. The gift of Holy Spirit that the apostles would receive on the day of Pentecost is referred to as being endued or clothed with power from on high. Verse 50 And Jesus led them out as far as to Bethany, And he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them, and carried up into heaven. Jesus Christ here led them out to the side of the Mount of Olives that faces Bethany, not the side that faces Jerusalem. He blessed them, and was lifted up into heaven. Verse 52, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. The apostles returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continually in the temple, praising God. There was great anticipation among the apostles, as they waited until the day of Pentecost. Another record we want to consider is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. We'll start at verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Baptized in the Spirit here is what he's referring to, not water baptism. John baptized with water and stated that he must Decrease, Jesus Christ came to make available baptism in the Spirit, which is the new birth, that which became available on the day of Pentecost. Continuing in verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, if they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them, They shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of God. The next verse here, verse 20 in the Gospel of Mark, takes place after the day of Pentecost. After the Lord was received up into heaven, they returned to Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father. Let's read verse 20. And they went forth, and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere they went. They were fellow laborers with God, and with the head of the body, Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. The words they spoke were confirmed by signs, miracles, and wonders." What a life. What a calling. For those that see it, that's your life. That's your calling. Let's continue to look at where Jesus Christ is today and what he's doing. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen did great wonders and miracles. He was full of God's grace, believing in power. The power is the Holy Spirit, which he received in the new birth when he confessed Jesus as Lord. Stephen boldly proclaimed the truth of God's word. There was great opposition to the words Stephen spoke and the power he manifested. He was brought before the high priest and the council to answer the false accusations. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen speaks as the spirit directs, and he boldly confronts the unbelieving religious leaders of his day. Let's pick it up in verse 54 of Acts chapter 7. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on Stephen with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Spirit looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And Stephen said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped up their ears and they ran upon him with one accord. They cast Stephen out of the city. They stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul, later to be called Paul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon the Lord, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And Stephen kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen saw the Lord Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. Jesus was standing for Stephen because Stephen was standing for Jesus. Stephen's reward, oh, his reward will be great at the time of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read verses 19 through 23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power, to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought or energized in Christ, when God raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, God set him at his own right hand. Jesus Christ is God's right-hand man. What authority? what power he has today to direct the church, to give gift ministries unto men, and to be the great mediator between God and men. Verse 21, Far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And God has put all things under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of God, that fills all in all. Jesus Christ is the head of the body, seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. His name, his name is the most powerful name in this world, and in that which is to come. We have the privilege to use that name, it's in that name that the sick are healed, devils are cast out, and signs, miracles, and wonders are performed. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-4. through 4. Since you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your thoughts on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, verse 4, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. That's where he is today. He is a mediator. He is an intercessor. And he is the head of the one body, the body of Christ, God's habitation. Remember in Acts chapter 1, the angels promised that this same Jesus that the apostles saw go into heaven would return in like manner. Christ Jesus, no doubt, is greatly anticipating the go sign from his heavenly Father to return in the clouds where we will meet him in the sky. What a great and notable moment that will be. It's going to happen someday. Until that day, just as the apostles we're instructed to preach the word and to be witnesses to the uttermost part of the earth, so we too are to preach the word of God and to be witnesses in our area of life and influence. It's our privilege to use the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devil spirits, and to do the works our Father directs within our hearts and lives. To answer the question at the very beginning of today's show, where is Jesus Christ today? He is ascended to the heavens, seated at God's right hand. One day when heaven was filled
3: with His praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is He. The Word became flesh and the light shined among us, His glory revealed. Living He loved me, dying He saved me,
1: buried He killed me. My sins far away, rising heat charge.
3: and rejected bearing our sins my redeemer is he hands and healed nations stretched out saved me, buried He carried my sins far away.
1: Rising, He justified, freely forever. One day He's coming on oh, glorious day. Oh Lord.
2: condemnation shame I cover it all the time and I'll say it a whole bunch of times in this school it is never ever 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 God I don't care how guilty you seem. I don't. Be, you holding yourself guilty isn't going to change your life. Taking accountability, getting responsible for your actions is a good thing. But to just let guilt shroud over you and let condemnation and shame hover over you. No, once you take ownership, once you recognize something's not God, you deal with that. You take responsibility. You take it to God and see it for what it is and then acknowledge that you're called to something else. This is not who you are. You have called me for higher things. I thank you for the light that shows me the difference and this is where I belong. You get it? Because guilt, condemnation, shame three major, 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 major tools of the devil. Because they produce regret and regret produces death. Guilt, condemnation and shame when you label yourself through one of those there's no place for repentance and change because you're marked damned and doomed. True? True? And what are you waiting for to change? What's going to change that? You've judged yourself apart from Christ. Guilt says I'm not forgiven. Condemnation says my life is worthy to be judged. Shame says it's still who I am. You got it? Every one of those definitions is anti gospel and anti Christ. Are you guilty through Christ? Are you condemned through Christ? Are you ashamed through Christ? (laughs) Then they can never be God. Because the kingdom is totally opposite. There is no condemnation in Christ. You're not living according to the flesh. That means your own works, ingenuity, identifying yourself through the flesh. It doesn't mean, you know, I'm not condemned as long as I don't live in gross, willful sin. That's not what that means. It means by my own strength, ingenuity, and creating my own identity. There's no condemnation through Christ for those who live by the... Spirit, that means the grace that flows through the Son of God, through truth, and not according to the flesh, you trying to make your own way fit, work, and measure up. Right? Yeah, guilt, guilt says I'm not forgiven. Condemnation says my life's worthy to be judged. And shame says it's still who I am. I quote it all the time that God cursed sin in the flesh and sin shall have no dominion over us. We're under grace. We're not under the law. Shall we go ahead and sin because we're under grace and not the law? Well, of course not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? You understand? So here's the deal. We're dying to a sin consciousness, a sin identity. You're not created for sin. You're created for His glory, for righteousness. You're not marked, stained, identified by sins that you've ever committed or the nature of sin any longer. God cursed sin in the flesh. So He took our sin and put it in His body on a tree. Anything hanging on a tree or a pole has been what? What? Did He curse His Son or did He make Him who knew no sin to be sin? What did He curse on the cross? His Son or sin? Sin. He made Him to be sin, therefore cursing what was killing us. So now the law of the Spirit of life that flows through Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. If we'll live by the Spirit, that means the grace that flows through truth and not according to the flesh, weighing yourself, a book by its cover, face value, past value. You get it? Corinthians even says that because one died, all died. And if we live because one died, then we ought to no longer live for ourselves, but the one that died. And therefore, because of this, we no longer judge any man according to the flesh. Why? Because we see every man now for his potential. Everyone's worth the blood of the Son of God. God has cursed sin in the flesh. He doesn't judge you for sin. He's killed sin on the cross. What was killing us has been cursed. And now we receive the blessing originally promised through Abraham. You get it? (laughs) Yay! So so the wrath of God was subsided, fulfilled. In other words, when Christ was made to be sin, the innocent for the guilty, one son for many sons. So you have to see the good news in this. He did not die to expose that you're sinners. He died to remove sins to expose that you're sons. Most of our lives we've heard He had to die on the cross Because we're sinners He had to die because we sinned But He didn't die because we're sinners He died because we're lost sons Who's preaching that? Holy Spirit had to tell me that in a bedroom Because I was so condemned And beat down and sin conscious And I want to give my life to God But I can't live for God Right? Because I'll just mess up again but all of a sudden, I see and realize, wait a minute. He didn't die because I'm an accident waiting to happen. He died because I was never created for sin. I wasn't born to be a sinner. I was born to be a son. So He had to die to get me back to sonship, to redeem me. All of a sudden, I realize nobody pays a high price for nothing. I'm somebody to God. Yay. And then we still let other things evaluate us and other things measure us. We still let past practice and people's impressions and what they say and don't say determine us. That, that precious young lady on the phone today, letting the world define her. <sighs> what a tragedy. Under the pressure of the world to measure up, to fit in. Wanting a certain job to be a certain thing in people's eyes. Wanting a certain this to... Rat race. (laughs) It's a rat race. (laughs) I said, Pastor in West Virginia made me really laugh. He said, You know the bad thing about a rat race? You can win and you're still a rat. (laughs) I thought, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Even if you win, even if you think you're winning and you're getting over on life, you're still a rat. I don't want to be in a race with rats. This is school, bud. I hope you I hope you come back, man. No, I'm kidding. It was just funny to me. I thought, you know he's right. I, I want transformed. I don't want wrong motives. I don't want to reach the top. I don't want no rioty and popularity and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't need people to think I'm somebody. I am somebody to God. Christ died for me. Yeah. And whether you see that or understand that or appreciate that or edify that or speak into that, what does that have anything to do with the truth that He died for me? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I want to get so along with you. I want to be able to love you and be loved by you. But whether that happens or not, or whether you see, appreciate, or even want Jesus, how does that change that He loves me? <laughs> oh my goodness. There's no such thing as a bad day after that. When you get that revelation, you're you're sealed. It's over for you in a good way. Yeah. It just is. Because instead of being broken, you break. Instead of being hurt, you hurt. Hey. Did you get it? Instead of hurting because of people, you hurt for people. It changes everything. Because the first wave is just all about you. And that is a lethal trap. But the conversion and transformation is it's all about Him and others. And you get the great privilege of being like Him by the Spirit of God. And you get to participate in love. And the only thing it will cost you is what you gain through the fall. Self. Let him or her die already. And don't raise them from the dead. If you'd hear how many times I prayed that, I don't pray it anymore. That guy's dead. But I used to just, just to be sure, right? You know how we are. No, it was a declaration to me because it just did something to me. I would say, Father, I thank you that old man is so dead. He is buried so deep. He can never rise again. You have made a brand new man. And then I'd leap and skip in my bedroom. And just get really flighty and flaky. And I would say stuff like this. Never again will I be ruled by anger. Stress has no place in me. Strife has nothing to do with who I am. Father never again will I be bound by the dictates of flesh. Because none of those things are what you made me to be. You made me to be like you. I was praying that stuff a month old in the Lord. Like radically running around my bed. Shouting and screaming. Because I was so aware that I could change and I want to change.
4: Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me save that thou art. Thy presence my light Riches I heed not Nor vain empty praise Thou mine inheritance Now and all my light, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.
0: There is a section of scripture that I read a couple weeks ago, and since that time it has been on my heart and mind almost daily. In these verses, I see the tremendous need for God's people to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a perishing world. It's only three verses, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, For when they, the unbelievers, shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The day of the Lord here is referring to the return of Jesus Christ to gather together the body of Christ, all those who have believed on him. The day of the Lord here is the moment in time when the age of grace that we have the privilege to live in comes to an end. Ephesians refers to it as the fullness of times. The administration of the fullness of times comes to an end, and Christ gathers together in one all things in Christ, both which are on earth and in heaven. At that moment, for the unbelievers, those that are left behind, Sudden destruction comes upon them. It's immediate, and it's an unforeseen ruin. It's unforeseen because they were blinded and were promoting peace and safety, saying everything is all right. Then sudden destruction. The sudden destruction here is not a physical destruction. The destruction is likened to a woman pregnant who begins to have the first birth pangs. There's no stopping it. The child is coming. The baby is going to be born. Same with the return of Jesus Christ. When he returns to gather the church unto himself, and it's a time where no one knows the day or the hour except the Father, but when he returns, the book of Revelation and all the end-time prophecies yet to be fulfilled are set into motion. There is no stopping it the magnitude of the sudden destruction is that those who did not believe on the lord jesus christ in this age of grace those who did not become born again of god's spirit are they're caught so to speak in the end-time scenario as detailed in scripture when christ returns it is the end of the age of grace in which we have the awesome privilege to live in and to be a part of. It's the end of the Age of Grace. This Age of Grace today is the most magnificent time spiritually for mankind to have lived in since the beginning of time in the book of Genesis. In the future for God's children, there are greater spiritual realities to be made available. But right now, this is greater than being in the garden with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they had spirit, but it could be removed. And they did lose spirit, their connection to God, because of their disobedience. Today is a greater day than the days of Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, and all the prophets. Only certain men and women at that time had the Spirit of God upon them, and it was only a portion. Today is a greater day than when Jesus Christ lived and walked among men. Jesus Christ, as God's Son, could only be in one place at one time. He promised to send the Comforter after his ascension. Why is today the greatest day to be alive in the history of mankind? Because men and women who believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and confess Him as Lord receive eternal life from God, never to be removed, never to be lost. We are God's children. We will be with our Heavenly Father throughout all eternity. There are no works that you or I can do to gain God's love or to gain His eternal life spirit. He freely gives because of His great grace and mercy and love. It's freely given to those who meet the condition. The condition confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe God raised him from the dead. Today, wherever there is a Son of God, There is Christ. When Jesus walked upon the earth, the Spirit of Christ could only be where He was. Today, as it says in Colossians, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everywhere there's a Son of God, there is Christ. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why it's the greatest time in the history of mankind to be alive the age of Christ in you, the hope of glory. It comes to a close at the return of Jesus Christ. A close only in the sense that it's no longer available to become born again of God's Spirit. The church of the body of Christ will move on to bigger and better things, seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies throughout all eternity. Do you see why for those that choose not to believe, it is a swift and utter destruction? Really, it's it's a very sad day. It will be available to believe in the one true God, and the Lord Jesus Christ in the next administration as detailed in the book of Revelation. But you will die for your belief. Most in the next administration will reject the one true God. Don't let the day of the Lord come as a thief in the night in your life. Don't be overtaken with sudden destruction because you have not yet believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put aside the doubt. Put aside the fear. Trust God. He only desires His best for you. He gave all He had to give in the giving of His Son. God loves you.
5: Blessed be the name,
6: blessed be the name of the Lord, all who call on Him will be saved. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name.
5: is his promise that if we accept Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved.
1: Blessed be
6: your name.
0: Joining us today on the Solution Radio Show. If you enjoy the Solution Radio Show, please tell your friends or email them a link to our archives at the Solution radio On that website, you can re listen to all of the previous shows at your convenience. There are also links to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also, on the website, there's a page for upcoming events. If you'd like your event listed, you could send the information to info at the solution radio show dot com a reminder that the praise line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life the number is 844-705-3410 once again that number 844-705-3410 we will play those testimonies in upcoming shows Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of The Solution Radio Show. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported both by your prayers and your financial giving. All donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is The Solution Radio Show, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Once again, that address, P.O. Box 9002 Naperville, Illinois 60567 There's also a donation link available on our website. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.